Welcome to episode 129 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright guys, so welcome along to episode 129 of Iron Man Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. You doubted my time there, didn't you? I was wondering, is it 129 or 130? I think you could be right, 129. No, it's 129 because I did my piece. Because it is. Yep. And uh, how are you feeling, mate? I'm feeling sensational. What were you telling me? Because it's the second time we're doing this. What were you saying the first time? The sun is shining. Oh, the sun is shining. That's why we're happy. <laughs> we're happy, that's right. That's why we're happy. When I got up this morning at 6, no, about 5.30, it was pissing down the rain, and I thought I might get my long ride, and might not get my long ride today, but the sun's come oh through. God, we're on your side. And this week's show is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofhawaii.com. Go to, for the 20% discount, I am talk at the checkout. Yep. Great. Trybuyers.com. Um, <laughs> I'm going to talk about my Newtons later on today, so... Doubling up on the Newtons. You already talked about them once. Well, but you can, you can keep giving the love to them. And Athlinks.com. Um, for all you tracking needs, we've got some big news on Athlinks, haven't we? And I've actually got some other big news on Athlinks, which I'll tell you about later on. Very good. In this week's show, we've got news. We've got discussion of the week. We've got one age group of the week. But the big thing we have is I got all up Friday morning last week. John yep. didn't turn up. Well, is there a reason why John didn't turn up? <laughs> I don't know. And uh, I did an interview with Dick Hoyt uh, from Rick and Dick Hoyt. So Dick's uh, the father and Rick's the son. And uh, it's about a 30, 40-minute interview. Really good. Um, amazing, man. And, and one of the things I haven't actually listened to the interview yet was uh, you go to their website, and we'll be encouraging you to go there and have a, have a look. His time's pretty fast. Yeah, well, when he was in his 50s, he did a... a uh, 240 marathon in Boston and that was pushing pushing, pushing Rick that's moving that is unbelievable way. yeah at 50 yeah right. I know that is would uh, Melina be able to go that fast if he was injury free if he was injury free yeah yep. yeah but um, not not much faster no I hope he's not listening he might come and smack <laughs> us and say, oh, smoke. I'll be doing 230 <laughs> no, it's, um, 220 wouldn't he it's a good story and, and the thing is we, we Again, I haven't listened to the interview. When you see the the, the coverage on TV, oh. um, you know, it's only short stuff, and they they really dramatise it. So it'd be good to hear um, yeah. what he has to say. Oh, it was an amazing it. man, amazing stuff. And uh, that's, we've got a couple of questions at the end as well. So uh, let's get straight into it. So news, big news. Um, Jones, McGlone, and actually Mitch Anderson's out of Kona. Okay, it's probably not too much of a contender, no. but certainly uh, McKaylee Jones and Sam McGlone are, you know, uh, two thousand and. Six champion and 2007 runner-up. Yeah. So, I don't know, McKaylee Jones hasn't quite been on the money for a little while. No, um, yeah, she hasn't been here. Really. been a few injuries. And, and, I, and I actually thought the same about Sam McGlone this year. And when I read the article, she's been battling with Achilles injuries all year. And her results haven't quite been um, cutting the mustard. And I, I wasn't expecting to see amazing things out of her. And, and this certainly explains why she hasn't had such a strong season. But... Hopefully they'll be back. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Kaylee Jones? She's certainly coming to the end of her career, and one of the things she said in the, in the press release was that, you know, last year she went to Kona when she wasn't in the greatest shape and uh, had some injuries, and it was a, she, she just said it was a stupid thing to do. You can't go to Kona with any weaknesses uh, if you're wanting to win the title. And she yeah. found that out last year. Uh, I just had some uh, emails from Ben Barnett, which is kind of our roaming reporter in Kona mm-hmm. right now. I've just allocated it to him. Yeah, And uh, he was saying that he's talking to Alexander the other day, and uh, Craig Alexander was saying it's definitely cooler this year at this time. Yeah, And uh, he was also saying he 
deliberately took this you know, last kind of half of the year kind of easy, hoping mm. to get a one or two percent gain in Kona. So yeah, it'll be interesting because you know last year he came in off off the back of racing quite regularly, yeah, and then and he got second. This year he's changed it. Yeah, is that going to mean he's better or worse? And it's going to be an interesting thing to see. There'll be a lot more pressure on him this year. And he also gave a bit of report. Ben is that roaming reporter, isn't he? Good. Uh, on uh, Tim DeBoom saying how Tim DeBoon is going to be doing the Longhorn 7.3 in Austin. Which is this weekend. And it's uh, Bjorn Anderson and you've got Kieran Doe and Simon Lessing are going to be racing there. And and Tim basically is staying away from Kona this year. And why does he want to do this, I wonder? Why have even asked I wonder. himself? Well, it's like he had such a great race last year. He'd yeah. had a few years where he hadn't really been on the money. And then last year he pulled out a solid race. Got third, didn't he, last year? I can't remember. No, fourth. Because right. yeah, no, did get to be fourth. on. Uh, yes, you're right. Third, yeah. yeah, and like, you know, you think now that it'd be the time to come back into it, but no. well, I think a lot of this year's focus for him was around the Leadville race that he didn't end up doing, uh, and so I think that was the big focus. And then when he couldn't do that, I think he's just sort of uh, not clutching at straws, but he's thinking, well, what can I do for the rest of the season? Mm. And uh, and um, yeah, maybe he just doesn't want to be in Kona if he can't race. But he's been there. I, I was reading in a triathlete magazine the other day that I think he's been there like. 16 or 17 years in a row. Oh, okay, so started over as, Yeah, started as, I don't know if he's over it, but he went there as an age grouper um, and, and sort of moved his way through the ranks. So he's got quite a good story, you know. He wasn't super fast all his life. He well, and built up to rankings. So. And he's won it twice, so. Yes. Now, uh, we have the uh, Chesapeake man. Oh, you got that right? <laughs> <laughs> we got an email from Scott Thomas uh, Thompson saying how uh, we get the name wrong of, oh, we, what, how did you say? Chesapeake well, man, I, I mean, think. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. But he actually broke it down for us. Chesapeake man. Nice. And I had a report in from a guy that I coached who was doing the Aquavello option there. Mm. And he also raced Placid earlier this year. And yeah. he said conditions were pretty similar to Placid. He said it was just horrendous. Oh, really? Bucketing down with rain, oh, that fairly case, chilly. Eric Roy did pretty well doing the nine hours. He beat the rest of the field by an hour in <laughs> six minutes. He would have that been, is a domination of the dojo. It's a very domination, big uh, domination. And he, he would have been pretty amped coming down that finishing shoot with, with five seconds to spare. Uh, uh, he went 8.59.55. Yeah, that would be a buzz, especially winning the race. Really set up um, with a very, very solid bike ride. 56 swim, which is kind of a bit average, but all the swim times there look pretty slow. Well, he was the only guy who got under an hour. Yeah. There was oh, no, one other guy way down here. One other guy went, uh, yeah, very few, very few. So he was yeah, second out of the water under. in 56. Biked a 4.39. That's very, very solid. Especially in those conditions. Yeah, and then ran a 3.17, which, nice. is, which is so-so. But, uh, yeah, Banks came at second in yeah. a 10.05. So uh, there's daylight between him and uh, Eric, but still great work. And Kevin Kevin Kunkel. Why don't I know Kevin Kunkel? I think it's someone who works for Ironman, but it must be no, a different Kevin Kunkel. I think he may have come on. No, I don't, I don't know. I know Kevin, if you're listening, which we're sure you are, because everyone in this race would have listened to the show, tell nice. us how we know you. Yeah. On the chick side of things, we had what we have. Kirsten Rowe. She had a pretty solid race coming in at 10.38. Nice. So she wasn't far behind the top boys, or, you know, number two place guys at least. Yep. And then Carly McLaughlin in 10.51 and... Anna Hearn in third in 11.07. Nice. Got a big field, really, eh? Solid racing. They also have an Aquavalo option there and a few other races. Uh, I do believe that last year at this race was when they had, like, the 14-year-old kid doing it. Oh, was that rat race? Yeah, and I think he was racing again this year. Oh, controversy. Mm. Did they not listen to us? Because we said no. We, 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 we said no, we do not want this behaviour in our we, sport. We went, no deal. No deal. Deal no, or no deal. No deal. We don't want the youngsters <laughs> Even racing. in the arms. <laughs> I love it. 
Okay. Uh, we also had the Iron Trail, but we couldn't get results for that. No. So... Coming up this weekend, uh, Alba Man. Alba Man, which is a fantastic, well, it looks really cool race in uh, the Alba Islands off Italy. You sort of circumnavigate the, the island a couple of times on the bike. Looks like a really cool place to go and end your season if you want a late season Ironman race next year. And anybody's gonna, listening, good uh, luck to that. Good work. Uh, 70.3 in Texas. Nice. So we've got Kieran Doe, who else did have been saying? We have Bjorn, um, Bjorn. Lessing. And uh, good luck to everybody racing there. Yep. Uh, Triple T America expands with a new race to California. So I thought I'd bring this up because um, obviously a new race is happening, which is Triple T. For you, those of you who don't know about it, Triple T, it's, it's held over a, two or three days and you're basically doing... You actually had a John's Triple T, didn't you? I had John's Quad quad Challenge or something like that. that I oh, but it was based, the inspiration came from Triple T, didn't it? It was inspired from yeah. that. So you're basically doing an Ironman spread over a couple of days. Apparently the, the Triple T, the original one, is very, very challenging course. Uh, and you can do it as a team time trial or you can do it individually. And Gordo dominated it last year, won it very, very easily. Oh, did he? Yeah. So it's, it's a cool race to go and do. If, you, if you're looking for a new sort of challenge and you thought, like, I've done Ironman for maybe five or six years and I want something a little, something a little bit different, this would be a really cool thing to go and do. So if you're interested, go to tryjuice.com and you can find out some more details on the American Triple T California. It's cool, just something innovative and different, hey? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think it's it's reasonably well-timed in the season if you're doing a late, well, I know the original one is, if you're doing a late-season Ironman, it's a, it's a good sort of mid-season race. Okay, we've got the World Duathlon Champs, DQs. Well, this is just a bit of controversy because I know this is Ironman talk, but I thought this was quite an interesting story. Uh, it's got it's got on in it. Like it's, got, it's got a thon. If it's got a sometimes we pull it out. So World Duathlon Champs uh, short course is held over 10k run, 40k bike, 5k run. Nice. It's drafting. Yep. And interestingly, what happened in the race was there was some sort of biffo or something happening on the bike. The guy that actually ended up winning the race and another guy that, that was, I think, on the podium, two Belgian guys, got disqualified for erratic behaviour on the bike. Really? And that, I, I don't, don't Do you know, know if it was biffo? What? You'd think it'd have to be something pretty serious if you were going to be the world duathlon champion, elite men, and they disqualified you. There's quite a bit of controversy surrounding that. It must have been pretty serious. Oh. And the person who put the protests in, apparently, was one of his teammates on the same Belgium team. And so really? two Belgium guys got disqualified. So you Whoa. assume it must have been something pretty full on. You think they had like an affair. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> who knows what happened. But in the end, Paul Amy, who's a Kiwi racing for the UK, ended up winning. Oh, did he? He kind of said, well, this Not doesn't same. really mean much. He, he has won the title twice before he goes, I didn't really win today. You know, he was better than me, um, but I suppose I'll take the title. <laughs> because, Do you um, get anything? Other than well, we get prize money, and you get more prize money for it. Oh, so. okay, so bring it on. Yeah. Gabriel Selassie, so this doesn't have a flan in it. It's got an on on the end, a marathon. So now we're getting desperate. We're getting, so when we go flan, yeah. you know, we can kind of keep it. When we just go on, on. we're getting, we're running out. It's hard times in the year. But it is impressive because he ran a 2.03. Wow. Hayley Gabriel-Slassie, 203 new world record. Because what was it, case splits? Bloody fuck. <laughs> what, what did they run at the, the Olympics? 206, they, they wasn't it? They ran 206 and they were right. That was three minute Ks. Okay. So three minute, 206 was exactly three minute Ks. If you wow. ran 42 minus a point two, So he's running quicker than three minute Ks all the way through. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. That is unbelievable, isn't it? And he's 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 getting on a bit, man. He's been around for a long time. Because he was a track runner for a while, wasn't he? he yeah, he killed 5,000, 10,000 for years. Yes. Yeah. 
and then he moved to Marathon. And uh, I thought he was a bit washed up, to be honest. I thought he was sort of starting to fade away. Because he broke it last year too, didn't he? Or was it earlier this year? Uh, I don't think it was this year, but... Um, I'm pretty sure the American was broken this year. Oh, well. Yeah, it was still 204, but... Yeah. Yeah. Incredible performance. Man, so, well that's unbelievable. So, like, general population, what, 95% of the general population probably couldn't do a three-minute K, could they? No, no way. Yeah. No, maybe ninety eight percent of the general population. I mean, you know, the, the standard for a half Ironman, I don't know, for a half marathon, if you're Joe Bloggs, a lot of people like to go out there and beat two hours. You know? Yeah, and if you can say that. But I'm just saying one k. What would most right. people? Most people are sprinting. No, I'm not. Not many people would break four minutes. Out of there. Yeah, it's mind blowing. I think what we could do is we could have a race where you just got to go under the record for the marathon pace yeah. and how long how long a distance you can last. Oh, I don't need to. I don't need to be able to these days. If I, I'd be stoked if I could do a three minute K. Okay, so, so you'd you'd I'll, be able to get maybe under a K eight hundred meters. Yeah, 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 and they do forty two of that. Yeah, you might. You, I reckon you maybe have to last slightly longer if you did a bit of speed training because you got a better top end than me. Yeah, um, but you, you know you wouldn't last more than fifteen hundred meters. Yeah. <laughs> And they do it for forty-two k's. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the general population understand how quickly they. Are they running. just don't get it, do they? No. Hey, yeah, because yeah. when I talk to people about this stuff, I get all excited because it's just human excellence. It's unbelievable, and and people are like, oh yeah, it's really good, and it's like no, you just don't get it. Yeah, <laughs> just... a, lot, a lot of people could not bike that fast. No, yeah, that's true too. Hey, <laughs> pretty awesome. That's that's incredible. Mm. That's they put a th- th- athlon on somewhere in there. Marathon. 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 <laughs> we may mention it a little more. <laughs> Marathon. I guess a hot topic last week. We, we, we had a controversy one, and it was uh, the swim cutoff. Ooh, we, we got a few feisty people going in there. Vegan was laying down the hammer, wasn't he? It was. And uh, so we're going to get straight into it. First of all, John, do you want to start or do you want me to start? Let's, uh, hopefully we haven't got the same people. And I deliberately, because you sent your list first and I chose some shorter ones. <laughs> cool. Okay, so Andrew Smith, make up your minds, chaps. Mrs. Slacko was age grouper of the week a few weeks ago. Oh! She did a 219 <laughs> for the swim in Austria because she was knocked out rough, um, in the rough and tumble at the start. Are you saying she shouldn't have been age grouper in the week? She should, certainly should have had. Wait a second, I want to interrupt you. Yeah. We're not giving our opinion yet here, Andrew. <laughs> we let you give your opinion, and then we reply. Exactly. Yeah, so just calm down, Charlie Brown. <laughs> that's a good one. I, I, know, I like, like that. Yeah. Settle Gretel, nice. that's another one too. Nice. Uh, she, she certainly should have been age group of the week. She's a star, and she should, you shouldn't post questions like this to undermine that sort of achievement. Besides, having a 220 cutoff isn't affecting you guys. You're out of the swim and way off in the distance by then. That's right. You're just spoiling it for all everybody else. Um, blah, 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 blah. Each year I've, I've spectated I'm in UK. I've watched one chap with a very with one um, very slowly make his way, on the, way around the course. I don't think she, he should be made uh, a cutoff time. But if you want a topic for the, a, a topic for the swim... Banned breaststrokers. These people are dangerous to swimmers. Oh, but if they're doing 220, what's wrong with that? Yeah, if, uh, you're the first to know of their presence by either a kick in the head or a whack in the nuts. Okay, well, there we go. Andrew's definitely his opinion out there, isn't he? That's just, right. You know, remember, Andrew, we give our opinion after you. Yeah. Okay, so just remember that. I'll try and get through this without using the phrase cheeky muffin like vegan did before me. Statistically speaking, cutting 20 minutes off the swift, swim off the swift, wouldn't make that much of a difference in the grander scheme of things. Take a look at the sample Ironman races that probably had amongst the slowest average swim times for the whole field, throwing Kona in for kicks in Canada just because it's a large and diverse field. A total of 113 athletes completed the swim in between 2 hours and 2.20. Of those 113, 
48 went on to not finish the race nice. under the power elsewhere. The remaining 65 finished with times between 13 hours and 17 hours. Uh, the, the age group ran the gaunt for men. What was that word? Garment. Garment for men. Uh, 14, 20, 18 to 24 and 75 to 79 and then 25 to 29 and – I don't know if you want to Well, that's obviously where the, the most problem was. Yeah. Yeah. He's actually actually put a link up there that he's designed. And I pulled up and it was really interesting. Look at this. I didn't ever look at that. Yeah. So he's got the DNFs and stuff, and he's got where they came out in the field. Oh, that's worth looking at. Yeah. And this is where they were going to swim. Oh, Love nice. his work here, eh? That's good work, Bobby. Yeah. That's, that's great. And uh, there's good news on Bobby at the end of the show, actually. Because he donated, and he's going to be the first person with a name. Oh, I know, I made a name up. Okay. Yeah, so probably you're going to, you can use your name when you actually type in this next time. Uh, all of that said, it is an interest of historical sentimentally. I suppose I propose that we actually increase the swim to two hours forty because of that is the cutoff of the what's that one rough water I swim? Kick rough water swim, which is the entire Ironman distance swim distance is based on. So oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Gary Fegan, <clears throat> hey, I had to learn to swim too. Okay, we could, um, I could could do over a length, but not well. I remember putting off joining the local tri swim club because I was so bad. First thing I did was arrange lessons. Whilst I still um, expect Stephen Madman Lord, <laughs> if Stephen, if you donate to the show, we're going to give you an official Madman. <laughs> we're going to stop calling you Madman until you donate. <laughs> yeah. um, Stephen Madman Lord to be a good couple of minutes ahead of me on a. PDC Beach, I don't see why it's so different to get a half-decent time in a swim. As I'd read somewhere, no point in training for the last half of the marathon if you're never going to reach it. In triathlon, not a duathlon with a swim stuck in front. Not a fawn. If, if it's your weakest discipline, then focus um, your time and effort there. Maybe I'm having my time at the, of the month just just being grumpy. Maybe we should all just use the Accelerate Ultra Format ultra format, and have no cutoffs at all. Um and then he put another post on here, uh, which is interesting. Slow swimmers beware at Ironman Germany, as there is a cutoff on the first loop of the bike. Oh, that's interesting. For those taking the full swim time, you need to be doing the first loop at an average speed of 19 miles per hour, which is wow. which is moving. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and then, then you can potter around the second loop at around 13 miles per hour and shuffle the marathon in six hours plus and get all the fireworks. So interesting, interesting point that they, uh, you know, if, uh, you're going to have to move if you're in Germany. Jason has that one. Ling. Linsky. Linsky. If the swim time is cut down, you have to cut down the bike time and the run time as well. If you're going to hate on the soft swimmers, you might as well hate on the soft cyclists and soft runners. We have to consider that some people sign up for an iron distance race just to finish in the allowed time. Personally, I think that you have to qualify for an iron distance race by competing at half distance in a certain amount of time. Nice. Um, My final one here was from Liam McElwee and... Speaking from a person who has still yet to do a triathlon, let alone an Ironman, I think the swim time should stay the same or even get longer. I'm a swimming instructor slash coach. I've trained beginners to, um, to ex-New Zealand swim record holders. I've trained a few good triathletes and a lot of beginners. The reason why I think it needs to stay the same is every single person I've trained all say the swim is by far the hardest. Most people can run and ride, but like um, stated earlier, a lot of people have learned to swim from scratch. The biggest thing I find about um, I find about talking to and starting out other coaching triathletes with their swimming is they 100% need a coach and swimming with their other tries. Almost all other triathletes I've trained train both endurance and interval zones on the bike and with the run, but when it comes to swimming, they just get in and swim laps. I don't understand why triathletes seem to neglect the swimming. If you do not put in the work, you won't get the results. Very good point. Lastly, I've got to ask Stephen how to say that one. 
Mode. So you, you picked the short ones, but yeah, you picked the hard, hard names. names. Matusik? Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay, I can't imagine what two hours in the water is like, is like or feels like, and then to have a full day ahead of you. Seriously, there's a point where people are maybe like, well, I'll get through the swim, then the race starts. But it's not really about going, the starting gun starting the day. Did we lose the whole idea of the race? I don't want to get it to a qualification system such as the Australians had. Is that right, correct, John? You have a st- uh, selection for Ironman Australia to get in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think on the whole, do an Ironman to say I did it to get the tattoo and get in the phase out pretty what, – what's he trying to say here? Basically, if you're trying to do an Ironman just to get the tattoo um, and you're doing a two-hour plus swim in the slow lanes, it makes master's practice pretty hard work. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Bevan? Uh, hmm. I, I kind of do see Gary Fig's point that you know what? If you put time in the water, you should be able to swim two twenty. You should be able to swim under two hours. Let's let's rebuff Andrew Smith first, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, <clears throat> as, as we had in our age group of the week, yeah, coming up. No, because we've got to do it again. So that's yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, we've got to, um, somebody had technical difficulties on the bike. Yeah, was unable to finish the bike without outside assistance. The yeah. example we had with uh, Mrs. Slacko was unforeseen <laughs> circumstances meant that she ended up swimming slowly and only just making the cutoff. Yeah. So, you know, there's always going to be that case where there's going to be one person who maybe drown, half drowns and then manages to just get in under the cutoff. But I kind of agree with you. I'm I'm not really interested in the cutting the, the cutoff time, but. It, Pretty much all the experience I've had with people coming to me that I would say very much beginner level, going for the first Ironman, just going to complete, um, they've been able to get in comfortably under two hours. Yeah, um, and it's but it's taken a bit of hard work. You know, they've had to fight. I've said right, just for the next three or four. I months, suppose the question to... is, is that extra twenty minutes make it a given? You know what I mean? Like if you're, let's say, you're a terrible swimmer and you think to yourself, you know what, I could probably do two twenty without much work. Yeah. You know, does that make it easier or does it, you know, like would you have to work a lot harder to get the two hours? And should our sport be about, you know, having to strive to a certain level to actually get in or, mm. I don't know, it's a hard one, isn't it? It is. I so, think you would eliminate a lot of older athletes. Yeah. I, I really, I haven't watched that many Ironmans, but I've seen very, very few people come in out over two hours. Yeah. I think there's really a small handful and I think that's what Bobby sort of demonstrated in his stats there. So I kind of... I'm not, I don't have a strong opinion saying, yes, you must cut it, but I think a lot of people that are in that range, if they really crack into it and do some hard swim training, they'll probably get a bit quicker. Yeah. But when you're talking guys that are 70-plus, yeah. it's kind of a different story. Yeah, totally, so, yeah. 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 That is a tough one. It is. Imagine swimming for two hours 20 in a race. A long time. And then getting out and still on the bike, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. But a Again, Bobby had some good stats there showing that a lot of people that swim those times often don't complete. Yeah, and in the Rick and Dick, um, in the Dick interview, he, in Kona 2004, no, but Kona 2004, he had issues that the water was really bad and he normally yeah. swims like 150 and, yeah. you know, obviously he's different. There's different rules for when you've got a yeah. boat. <laughs> and, again, and again, when you've got, if you're swimming with one arm, completely understand, and, but, but do those those people want to have special Should there be a cut-off time? I don't think it made much difference. I mean, that's the thing. If they cut, if they got made the cutoff time quicker, I really don't think it'd make much difference either way. Yeah. Um, mm. In terms of participation or anything like that. And I suppose if you're close to two hours, it would actually make you want to fire up in your training, wouldn't it? Exactly. You know, because then you think, oh, jeepers, I actually really need to do some work. It's like the old uh, Dave Scott sort of thing. They always, uh, he always used to say that 
you know, he believed, or he he believes that a lot of the elites these days are just pitching for, you know, two forty two or something like that, pitching for say even like to run sub three hours, whereas they they were pitching for, you know, a two thirty five, and then they'd end up running like a two forty. Yeah. And so if if people, if you say the benchmark's two hours, people just end up doing it. That's right. Oh, John, we can solve the problems. I think we went round and round in circles and really never came to a conclusion. The the, the point is, we're good at that. We're that. That's uh, news. Oh no, this week's discussion. So this week's discussion, it's, it's Kona Super Special next week, isn't it, John? Yes, maybe this is could be called the Kona Super Special Dick Hoyt Special Show. Okay, <laughs> that's what it's called. And so next week, in this week in the discussion, we want your top three male and top three female picks for Kona. Almost banged the table there. Why are you excited? Because, no, if anybody, I don't want to see people going on there going. Maybe Cameron Brown or um, yeah, no, Chris one, two, McCormick. three. It's one, two, three. And we're we giving placings. You can't say just oh, names. Oh no, and I've got my point system in, in here. So now you have got to go. Points. Oh, there's a point system. A point system for whoever's going. Remember to we used to do picks that years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. It faded out when I started because <laughs> I kicked your ass all the time. So this uh, it's brought to you by Art of Try, the hot topic of the week. Okay, so let's say the person who gets closest to it after the race gets a t-shirt. They do, and this is how it works. There's, there's um, you get five points for picking the winner the men's and women's side. Yep. You get three for picking second and one for picking third. So there's 10, 16, <laughs> 18 points total up for grabs. Okay. And um, a combined score of both female and male. And male, yeah. Okay, so and if you p- get that, you're yeah. going to, why don't we say jersey? Uh, no, I've always we, no jersey. you get an Art of Try t-shirt. <laughs> and, but, so if, and if there's ties on uh, lots of people getting 18 points, then we'll give a sank out. <laughs> give but, uh, Not many people are going to get them all. I'd, yeah, I wouldn't expect so. And we will give our opinions on this next week. Oh, kind of and, special. Andrew. Yeah. Smith. Andrew. Wait, so, what's Andrew then? Because he was telling us, you know, you, you were saying to him. Oh, we'll that's right. Yeah. Afterwards. After, yeah. So top three male and female oh, placing. exciting times. For Kona this year. Okay, here we go. Uh, age grouper of the week. Okay, we're gonna email through from <laughs> Rob Willby. Will we? Why will we? I uh, stuffed it up last it's a time. Bad joke. We, we, Bevan was having a few speaking issues earlier. <laughs> Thought I'd drop your line to nominate my training partner, Paul Skipper, for age grouper of the week. Skip, as we call him. Yeah. We're tight. I call him Skip too. Completed his first iron distance race in the long distance classic in Almira, Holland. It's good, pronounced Almira. Good pronunciation, Bevan. After I corrected him before. <laughs> Never. And finished in a very credible 10.55. What's so special about that, you might wonder? What's so special about that, John? That's I'm what you sure, meant to Bevan. say. No, you meant to say that. What's so special about that, Bevan? Wow. The attached photo shows Skip at the 120k mark on the bike, holding his P3C in one hand and the forks in the front of the wheel in its other hand. And covered in road rash, coming around the turn for the start of the third and the last bike lap, holding a steady 5.15 pace, following a sub-60 swim, Skip's fork sheared off, snapped clean in two, and he slammed into the railings. It happened only about 20 metres away from me, and it was... Horrendous. Because <laughs> I said horrendous or something, <laughs> He face-planted into the concrete, and his bike went over his head into the crowd. It was out cold for a couple of minutes, but as soon as he came around, he wanted to get right back on his bike and start riding. He was gutted when he realised his bike was in two pieces. Luckily, a local Dutch triathlete called Richard Yep, came to his aid, 
Uh, he ran home, got his training bike out, and let Skip ride it so he could finish. After 25 minutes standing on the roadside, he was back on his bikes, this guy's hack bike with no aero bars, and off he went to huge cheers from the crowd. Unfortunately, Skip's results won't be shown in the official results page as the organisers decoded him for accepting outside assistance. Uh, taking place the bike. Do you reckon that's too harsh? No, not really. I think it's a very noteworthy performance by Skip, hence his age group of the week. I'd also like to mention Richard Balderock, yep. who's bloody good for running back yeah, to his place and giving, nice, giving up a bike. You know a funny story? Years ago, one of my mates was doing the race. I used to live yeah. on Columbus Street years ago. Yeah. And uh, my mate was doing the race, and me and my girlfriend were in bed, and it was at, like 8 o'clock in the morning or something. I thought, oh, he'll be going past soon. But we missed them all. Yeah. And then, across the road, my mate, he had a flat tyre. Yeah. So I ran and got my spare wheel. Away he goes. I'm, I'm just like Richard. <laughs> to get disqualified for outside assistance. No, because no one knew. Secret squirrel. Secret squirrel. Yeah. Don't need any names. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so would you do that? I wouldn't do that. I would uh, would have called it a day. What if it was an A race? <laughs> I thought about that for two seconds. No, I would. No, I'm no, sure cool. you would, Bevan. Yeah, I would. No, I thought it's good. Um, I think you kind of got to have rules to a certain extent. Yeah, and, no, uh, no, yeah. Otherwise, you just get people. The rules are there ain't no rules. What movie is that? Grease. Oh, okay. You like Grease? Classic. Yeah. Yeah. When they go to the car race at the end, he goes, "Rules are there ain't no rules." It's cafe. It's good. Oh. Okay. Here we so go. our age group of the week this week is, is... Oh Skipper. Nice work. Or oh, Skip. Kevin and John. <laughs> That's right, beautiful. We've got an interview with Dick Hoyt right now, and uh, I'm just going to check it straight on. Guy's an amazing man. I'm sure all of us have actually seen the stuff of him on YouTube. Um, he does actually mention to mention his website, and you can actually buy the videos that he sells. And honestly, it's, it's great stuff, this guy's a legend. So here's Dick Hoyt. Righto guys, so um, on the show today we have probably one of the biggest legends in the sport of Ironman. You know, we have the Mark Allens and the Dave Scotts of the world, but one of the people, the, the two people who have really made our sport huge around the world are Rick and Dick Hoyt. And um, I'm sure most of you have actually seen the video of them and Ironman and some of the great stuff they've got on YouTube and maybe even seen Dick actually out there talking. And today I have Dick Hoyt on the show. So welcome hello Dick, how are you going? Oh thank you, I'm doing very well, thank you. So it's um it's it's you know it's a treat to have you on the show. I tell you, um, can you just tell me about first of all a bit of your history before you started getting into doing all the sports? Where you came from uh, before you started running with uh, Rick? Well, I was uh, I was one of ten my family, you know, and um, let's see, we were very active, you know, in all different sports. All ten of us, we always we had a good great time, you know. Uh, playing together, but we were kind of a poor family, and when we played ice hockey, we'd have to, you know, sh- share skates, and then we'd chop a little branch off a tree and t- take a piece of wood and use it as a puck and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. But uh, I was very uh, active, and I, I, I always did things the tough way. You know, I, I always chop wood so we have, you know, heat in the winter time and stuff like that, and I used to work very hard. I used to go out and... and uh, weed gardens for 50 cents an hour and pick strawberries and stuff like that for $5 a basket. And so I was always doing things that the rough way and the tough way. Um, and then when I got into school and uh, when I got into the sixth grade, I found out what sports was all about. And uh, and so I really got involved in sports. Even though I was very, very small, I was 90 pounds soaking wet. 
Wow. And when I was a freshman in school, and I was playing middle linebacker and fullback and all this and that, I just loved to uh, go out there and play rough sports and be able to hit people and stuff like that, <laughs> you know. So, um, And when I went to high school, that's all we had was uh, three sports. That's all we had was basketball, baseball, and football. And I was captain of the baseball team and captain of the football team. And I did play basketball, even though I was very short, you know. But uh, we had a lot of fun. There was only 50 kids in our graduating class, and we only wow. had 11 players on the football team, so nobody could get hurt, and you had to play both ways, you know. Great. But um, and when I was going through high school, I met my wife, Judy, um, and uh, she was the head cheerleader, and I was captain of the football team, and so we started dating at a very young age, and we ended up uh, the class couple, you know, when uh, when we graduated as seniors, and then we got married um, I was 19, she was 18, and uh, Rick was born when I was 20, and she was 19. And when wow, so you were quite young, weren't you? What's that? You were quite young. Quite young, yes, mm. when we got married. I mean, we we were dating for six years before we got married, so we started dating when we were about 13 years wow. old. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so oh. did you notice, right from the start, obviously, there were complications with Dick. Um, How did you handle that stage? Well, what happened, you know, we were very young, and um, when Rick was born, he was a very active baby, and he turned himself over, and the biblical cord got twisted around his neck, and he was in such a position that took a matter of minutes before the doctors could get it and untangle it. Well, that caused a lack of oxygen to Rick's brain, which caused brain damage, which is cerebral palsy. And at the time, we knew there was something wrong with Rick, but we did not know exactly what. Okay. So the doctors made an appointment for us to see a specialist when he was nine months old. And we took Rick to the specialist, and they did all kinds of tests, and the tests come back, and they were very negative. They said, forget Rick, put him away, put him in an institution, he's going to be nothing but a vegetable wow. for the rest of his life. And, you know, we haven't figured out what kind of vegetable he is yet. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, on the way home from that uh, doctor's appointment, my my wife Judy at the time, you know, her and I cried, but then we talked and we said, no, we're going to bring Rick home and bring it up like any other child. And this is what we have done. Rick has been mainstreamed and included all of his life. Today, Rick is 46 years old. He still can't talk, uses his arms and his legs, but he's graduated from public high school. He's graduated from Boston University. He lives all by himself in his own apartment. And Rick and I, up to today, have done 987 athletic events. Wow. So what got you started in athletic events? What was that again? What got you started in athletic events? Well, you know, uh, I didn't start till I was 40 years old because when Rick was born, I had to get a couple of jobs because of all the expenses of mm. paying his medical bills. Yeah. So Rick, Rick was attending a South Middle School out in Westfield, Massachusetts, and his gym teacher got him involved with all the other children in, in the gym activities. And he was also a basketball coach at Westfield State College, and he used to take Rick to the basketball games. Well, one of the basketball games, they made an announcement that one of the cross players from the college was in an automobile accident. He was paralyzed from the waist down. So when Rick came home from that basketball game, he told me all about it. He said, Dad, I have to do something for him. I want to let him know know that life goes on even though he's paralyzed. I want to run in the race. Wow. And And that's how it all got started. So when you first started out, what kind of racing were you doing? Well, uh, you know, I was 40 years old, and I was not a runner. I used to run maybe three times a week, a mile each time, just to try to keep my weight down. Yeah. And, and that's all we had was a Mulholland wheelchair, which was prescription form fitted to Rick's body. And we had a hard time pushing him in it, never mind running in it. 
but it was a five-mile race, and we went down, and they gave us the number double zero, and the gun went off, and Rick and I took off with all the other runners. Well, everybody thought that Rick and I would go to the corner and turn around and come back. Well, we didn't. We finished the whole five miles coming in next to last, but not last. That's one thing in all the events that we've been in, we've never been last. Really? Yeah. So then, so then, did that just get the fire burning, and you know, obviously, it started a big thing. We, what happened was, you know. Um, I, when we get through with that race, Rick wrote on his computer, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like my disability disappears. Wow. Which was a very powerful message to me. If you think about it, somebody can't talk, use their arms and their legs, and now they're out there, it, and the disability disappears when they're running. He actually called himself Freebird because now he was free and able to get out there and run and compete with everybody else. Wow. But there was only one problem after that first race. I was disabled. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't know you had so many muscles in your body that could ache. You know, I couldn't walk for two weeks. Oh, really? So I told Rick, I told Rick, I said, if we're going to continue running, we're going to have to get a chair built, you know, so I wouldn't be hurting as badly. So we found an engineer, and he just got some old pipes and some old tubings, and he welded them together, and then we got an insert. For, for Rick to sit in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, there were no baby joggers and the regular wheelchair athletes were using the four wheelchairs. Well, our chair had two wheels in the back and one in the front. Uh, Just think if we had patented that chair. Yeah, mate, you'd be made. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, we had a bike company working for us, and I said, look, you got to build these chairs because other people are going to want them. And, uh, and they just walked away. You know, five years later, they were out buying baby joggers and selling them. Uh, so I really feel the baby joggers got patented after our chair. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you, you know, Rick and I weren't thinking about that. That's all we were thinking about was getting a chair built so we could compete together. So obviously the first, we, big, the first big event would have been maybe doing a marathon. Was that the first, you know, the first huge thing you did? Yeah, um, you know, we... we we, this new chair we got built, we call a running chair, yep. and we went over to do what we call our first official race, which was over in Springfield, Massachusetts, and nobody had come near us, nobody had talked to us, and nobody wanted us in the race, you know? And finally, the overall race, the director said that we could run. Well, it, it was a 10K race, 6.2 miles, yep. and there were 300 runners, and Rick and I finished 150th out of the 300 runners. Oh, so then after that, we'd go to a different town and a different city and run, and finally people started coming up to us and talking to us, and they could see that Rick had a personality and such a humor, and he loved to be in the middle of running with everybody else. Yeah. Now, when we first started running, I used to get a lot of phone calls and letters from other families that had people with disabilities, and they were very upset with me. They said, what are you doing dragging your disabled son through all these races? Really? Are you just looking for glory for yourself? Wow. But they didn't realize he was the one that was dragging me through all the races. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that fall, Rick and I sat down and talked about what we wanted to do the following year. We decided we wanted to run the Boston Marathon. So we applied for the Boston Athletic Association. They turned us down. They said, no, you can't run with us. You're different than anybody else. But the Boston Marathon has a wheelchair division, so we applied through them. But they also turned us down saying, no, you're different than us. You can't run with us. But what they did say is, if you want, you can line up behind us and run. And that's what we did in 1981. Uh, and we ran our very first Boston Marathon in three hours and 18 minutes. Wow. And that beat 85% of all the other runners. 
Wow. I was looking, I was doing a bit of research into you, and your best time's 2.40, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. Man, that's so impressive. So, yeah. And you, and you, how old were you when you did that? What's that? How old were you when you did your 2.40? I was in my 50s. I, I don't know the exact age. I think it was right around uh, 53 or 54 years old. I was, um, I was, I was talking. Our times got faster, you know. They, we started off slow, and, and then we got into triathlons. Uh, our times even got slower. But I was out doing the Ironman in, in Hawaii, and I was talking to Dave Scott and Scott Tinley, and they said, yeah, usually when you start doing triathlons, you're running, slows down, but then you get faster. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what happened. Did, um, did, I was just talking to a guy this morning. I was telling him that I was going to be talking to you, and he's, he's quite a good runner. And you're saying, how do you train your technique with the fact that you're going to be running with your, your obviously, your running cart? Yeah, well, it, it's not as easy, you know. We, we've been very fortunate because of the races we've been in and the times we've been able to run. Yeah. And so everybody thinks that it's, it's easy for us, but it really isn't, you know, because, you know, Rick's 115 pounds, his chair weighs 28 pounds, and I'm 172 pounds. Yeah. So that's quite a bit of weight when you're out there. And a lot of people think that I lean on the chair, to rest, but you can't lean on the chair because it's so balanced. If you lean on it, the front wheel pops up in the air, you know? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So it's like it, you're pushing it, forward with your elbows, are you? No, I'm, I'm usually pushing forward with my hands. Oh, okay. When we first started, we used to just have a metal bar that went across, and I used to actually, I, my elbows always started bleeding and stuff because yeah. every once in a while they'd rub against the steel and the metal, and so they're very tender now. But now we do have a setup where it it looks like the uh, the, the the handlebars you have on a bike. Yeah, it looks know, like so aero bars, doesn't it, it? It looks like the same time. Yeah. But you can't you can't put any weight on them. You know, it's just that it's a lot more comfortable and it, it doesn't cut my elbows. So when you're when you're training, do you always train with Rick, or do you just train by yourself, or how does that go? No, um, when we first started, I used to train with Rick all the time. Yep. But what happened is Rick ended up going to Boston University, and he was an hour and a half one way. Uh, okay. You know, so I couldn't I couldn't go in and train with him. So what I did is I replaced him with a bag of cement. Okay. Because at the time he, when he went to college, he was only a hundred and five pounds, and a bag of cement weighed ninety four pounds. Okay. But you should see the looks I got when I put the bag <laughs> of cement in a running chair and in the bike and run and bike around town. They so say, "Oh, there goes that loony guy again." <laughs> so, so you. But always, it worked. <laughs> so you always train with the cart. With the with the bag of cement. Uh, no, no, not, not now. No. You see, we've been ra- we race like every weekend. Okay. So I really don't need to, to wait when I'm out there training a lot of times. Okay. It's only when, if I think I need it, then I train with the cart. So when I come- do tra- I do train with the bike all the time. Yes, because it's a different type of bike. Yeah. Do um when it comes to um training, when you, let's say you're training for an Ironman, how do you treat your training for an Ironman? Well, you know, I, 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 I have to go and work my upper body, too. So what I usually do is I usually go to the gym, and I use all the machines there. I don't lift the, lift the free weights, but I do everything for endurance. I use all the machines, and I do three sets of 20 reps. Yep. So I do everything for endurance. So I'm usually in the club for about three hours, 
And then after that, I, I would go out and either run and swim or go out and bike. Now, when we're biking, I have to go out and bike for like 10 hours. Really? Because, because of the weight of the bike. See, when, when you get the weight of Rick and the weight of myself and the weight of the bike, you're talking 365 pounds. Wow. Which is a lot of weight. So, you know, we're lucky if we can get going 14 or 15 miles an hour. Wow. I mean, I have to pedal going down hills. <laughs> the bike is the, the bike is is the toughest part for us, so I have to spend more time on the bike. Wow! And what about um, swimming? How much do you do swimming wise? Well, I I try to swim when I go out for a ten hour bike ride. I usually don't swim or run that day, but yep. every other day I'm usually out there swimming. I see. What happened was when we we decided we were going to do triathlons, I did not know how to swim. And I hadn't been on a bike since I was six years old. Yeah. So I was I had I was changing jobs and it meant I had to buy a new house. So I said, Well, if we're gonna do triathlons, I'm gonna buy a house on a lake. Yeah. So I can learn how to swim and that's what I did. I bought a house in Harlem, Massachusetts on Hamilton Reservoir. And I'll never forget the first day I went down and jumped in the lake, guess what happened? I sank. <laughs> My body's like a piece of lead, you know? I couldn't swim fifteen feet. <laughs> So every day I'd go out there and I'd swim a little bit further, a little bit further, and then in the wintertime I'd join the YMCA so I could continue swimming. And then, then you know, then we had to get the rest of the equipment built, you know, the bike and, and the running chair and all yeah. that. And so, uh, and actually we did not get all the equipment until the, the day we did our first triathlon, so we didn't know if it was going to work or not, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. Okay, keep going. So I, I really do, I put in a lot of hours, and especially for the Ironmans, like I'm saying, and, and most of the training is on the bike and then the swim, and I do less on the run because the run is our best part, and we've been running longer than we have been doing triathlons. Do you, um, do you plan on doing more Ironmen? Right now, no. Uh, what's happening now, uh, Rick and I are tra- traveling all over the world, and we're doing speaking engagements, yep. you know, and, and flying is not fun anymore. Okay. You know, the, the quality of the air in the airplanes is terrible. Yeah. I can still compete for 15 to 17 hours, but, but I'm on an airplane for three hours. I'm totally wiped out. Okay. You know what they do? They, they recirculate the air in the yeah, airplane, so if somebody's sick and everything else, it goes right into your, mm. your mouth, you know. And uh, it, it used to be better quality air when they used to let people smoke because they used to take the air from outside the airplane, you know. Uh, but that doesn't okay. mean I want to see people start smoking again. <laughs> <laughs> Describe to me what it's like for Rick on race day. Let's say Rick's doing an Ironman because, you know, for most of our athletes, we can probably identify, although, you know, tying a boat and riding with someone on on top of our bike seems pretty crazy. We can kind of maybe comprehend that. What's the experience like for Rick? Well, you know, a lot of people said, oh, you know, he's just out there sitting in a chair getting a ride. But it's not. It's very difficult for him. Yeah. You know, he's sitting uh, on the bike. He's sitting right up front there. Yeah. And, you know, he's catching all the wind and all that and all the bugs or anything that's in the air. Yeah. And, you know, he, and he, the sun is beating down on him, you know, when you're out there in those lava fields and stuff. So, you know, he has to keep himself hydrated and stuff yeah. because we're out there so long on, on the bike and then the run. And, you know, he's sweating and everything else. Mm. So, so it's not, not as easy as people think, well, he's just sitting there. You know, it's not. And, you know, he, he gets excited just like all the other athletes. You know, he, his adrenaline gets flowing. He's excited. And, you know, it, he's out there doing this thing, you know, his body and everything else. And he gets his arms going and his legs going. And, and uh, it's so nice sometimes when we're out there and, and we're biking, you know, and we've been out there, say, for six hours on a bike. And then all of a sudden, it, 
just to cheer me up. I can hear him. He's got this sound. You know, he can't talk, yeah. but he has this sound. And to me, it's like he's telling me he's having a good time. Yeah. And he's re- relaxing and he's enjoying it and everything's okay. Wow. You know, and, you know, he's, he's got the... He, he, he's got to take chances because, you know, there's possibilities that we can tip over. And we did crash in Hawaii. You know, we, we were 85 miles into the bike one year, and, and we ended up crashing. And we spent five hours in the hospital. And he ended up with eight stitches and, you know, a lot of skin off his body and everything else. Wow. What's, um, what's, what's, your, what's the mental game like for you, Dick? You know, like, obviously, um, like, you must be so mentally strong. How, how, how have you developed that over the years, and what are some tips maybe that you could give to some of our listeners when it comes to mental strength? Yeah, I, uh, like I told you, you know, when we first started talking when I was a kid, I always did things the hard way, and I, I, I worked hard, and I've always worked hard. I do everything the hard way, you know. In the wintertime, if we get a foot of snow, I'll stay out there for three or four hours and shovel snow. You know, I get an ache a lot for a lawn, and I'm out there, and I'm pushing the lawn more. I don't have a ride on or none of that stuff. Yeah. And I was, I... It was in the military, you know, for 37 years, yeah. and I really think that that helped me, yeah, because, uh, you know, it, it, I got into physical fitness, I was the uh, support officer for the base, and I was the uh, physical fitness officer on the side, and I was the weight control officer, and I know smoking officer, so really everybody hated me, because they said, <laughs> oh, here he comes, he's going to make us quit smoking and lose weight, you know, and go out and run, you know? <laughs> but it was a lot of fun, and I helped a lot of people quit smoking and stuff. So I just think it's, you know, get, getting out there and you got to be prepared mentally and physically. You know, you can't have just one over the other. And when we wake up our minds, we're going to do something. We're going to complete it no matter what happens. People look at Rick and I and they, and they see how focused we get, you know, three days before an event like that. And they say, you know, I'm not paying attention to anybody else, what they're saying to me or anything else. And it's not to be rude or anything like that. It's just that I'm preparing myself and I know we're going to go out there and we're going to do it. And people say, you know, the look on your face, a freight train is going to go in front of you and you're either going to go under it, over it or some way, but you're going to accomplish your mission. When it comes to um, toughest events, what are the toughest things, maybe your toughest days you've actually experienced when you've been out there? Uh, there's, there's so many of them. Um, one of the toughest times we were over in uh, Japan competing in a triathlon over there. And, uh, it, you know, the Japanese, I think they do everything. It's the toughest part of the day when you're, the ocean is the roughest, you know, <laughs> when the sun's out and everything else. But uh, we, we were over in Japan, and uh, we were doing a triathlon, and it, the, the ocean was very, very rough, and it was raining so hard. And I was kind of concerned because by the time we finished the swim, Rick's boat had filled up with water. Oh, really? You know, so I was very concerned, you know, about him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and so when we finished the swim, uh, he was okay. Well, I have to check on him. What I try to do is call the lifeguards and have them, you know, take a look at him and check just to make sure that he's all right. And then we took him out of there, and I, I couldn't believe it. I still swear that when we started the bike, it was 90 degrees straight up, straight up a hill. Wow. <laughs> you know, and, it, and it, the rain came down so hard on the bike that it was unbelievable. <laughs> and one of the, the things, there was a problem. The night before, see, I didn't know you, you're not supposed to eat sushi the night before. Okay. And it, they were either. having a big party with the pro athletes and all that, and they had sushi there. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, if I sure needed, somebody would say something. But we, we, when we got through the swim, when we started out on the bike, I ended up with diarrhea. 
Oh, no. So what I had to do, I had to find some woods, you know. And, and so I had to put Rick up against a tree, and, you know, they were covering us. And they're following me with the camera. And they, 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 they thought I was quitting. I was running away, you know. I said, no, no, no. And this happened, this happened about five times on the bike. And then we, we, we finished the bike, and I was completely dehydrated. Because, yeah. you know, when you get the runs like that, and yeah. I felt terrible. You know, my face was blue and everything else. And, and, you know, they were all concerned. They were asking, have you ever seen him like this and all that? But we were very fortunate. We went to the first water stop, and I drank two glasses of water and ate two bananas. And, boy, it just picked us up, and we had, we had a real good run. But I would say that that would have to be one of our toughest triathlons. Yeah. Well, and what's, what's the most enjoyable one you may have done? Well, you know, if it comes down to one race a year, Rick would like to do the Boston Marathon because, you know, we're from Boston. He graduated from Boston University, yeah. and we had a crowd favorites and all that. But yeah. to me, it's the Ironman Triathlon in Hawaii. Yeah. I just love it out there. I, I love the people out there. I love all the athletes. To me, the triathletes are the toughest and the best athletes in the world, and they don't get enough credit for it. You know, th- these guys are out there competing in what they do and in the time that they do it in. And, you know, and they're not making that much money, even the pros. I mean, no. you take a baseball player, and sometimes they don't even get a ball hit to them. They get up at bat, you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're making $10, $20 million a year. Yeah. It's just that they're, they're in the stadium, and they make people pay, you know. And it's the same way with football. You see a guy run 40 yards, the next thing he's got to go sit and take oxygen, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and basketball, you know, these guys now, they can stand in and put the – you know, but the hands, they can just lay it through the rope, you yeah. know? <laughs> it's unreal. And the money they get, and then they walk down on the court. So I just love triathletes, and I think triathlon is the best sport in the world. So you're saying that you do quite a bit of speaking nowadays. Um, what kind of message do you get? Because obviously you take it to a lot of the corporate world. What kind of message are you kind of putting out there with your speaking? Okay, our message is yes, you can. There okay. isn't anything you can't do as long as you make your mind up to it. Okay. And I don't know if you've gone to YouTube or anything else and seen the DVDs that are out on us. I've seen, I've seen, yeah, I have seen some of them, actually. I have to, yep. Yeah, the, the one is My Redeemer Live and the other one is, is Can, you know. Yes, you can. Yep. And people are using these DVDs all over the world. They're using them in churches. They're using them in pro sports. They're using them in all these big corporations. They use them to inspire and motivate these these people, you know, yeah. And when when I get, you know, I don't know how many speaking engagements I've done, but like last year, I did a hundred and thirteen and turned down two hundred. Wow. And I've I've spoken to some of the largest corporations in the world. Yeah. And when I get through speaking to them, they come up to me and they're saying, you know, Dick, we've had a lot of speakers and thousands of them, and that is the most inspirational story we've ever heard in our lives. Wow. And it really motivates and inspires them. Okay, so you know you're in this position where, you know you you're kind of recognised as one of the world's biggest uh, inspirations. You really are. Like, like I, I work at a gym, and this morning, uh, before my class, I was just saying how I'm going to be talking to the guy, and I and like most of the people in the class knew of you, and this is in Christchurch, New Zealand. Um, what's it like for you? How do you take that responsibility first of all, and how do you take that with your ego? I suppose. Well, you know, uh, when Rick and I first started running, you know, we never thought we'd be running a marathon. 
Yeah. It, it was not in our minds. Rick had two other brothers, and they were good athletes. And I used to take time off from work and take Rick to support them. Yeah. You know, they, they, they played all the sports. They played baseball. They played football. They were swimmers and all that. Matter of fact, my middle son, he was captain of the swim team. Wow. And he, he could swim any stroke, and he was always either first or second, you know? Yeah. And then my youngest one, he was captain of the wrestling team, and he was undefeated in his senior year. And they do triathlons with us and everything else. But, you know, we were big supporters of them. And now Rick and I are out there, and, and we're doing all this stuff. And they're our support team. We we do a lot as a family, you yeah. know, with the other two brothers. But we never thought that we'd be inspiring and motivate some, so many people. And it's worldwide. It's, the emails we get here are just unbelievable. Oh, I can imagine, know? yeah. And people, every race we go to, people come up to us and they say, Rick and Dick, we want to thank you. We saw you guys out there competing. And they said, wow, if they can do it, we can do it. And now we're in the best shapes of our lives, and it's because of you. Wow. We get more emails from people doing Ironman triathlons now that use our story. They use our DVD in training, and then when they're out there competing, they're thinking about us when they have hard times, and that pushes them to be able to finish it. So it's just amazing to us, you know, what is going on. And right now, you know, cause the first question everybody says, you know, Dick, you're 68 years old, you've done almost a thousand events, when are you going to quit, you know? Yeah. And I said, how can we quit now? Because yeah. now these people are motivating us because of what we're doing for them, you know? So you get a lot back to you. What's that? You get a lot back from the, you know, the inspiration. From, from, yeah. Exactly, yeah. 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 Well, so obviously your wife must be an, a phenomenal woman, um, you know, because to achieve the things that you and uh, Dick at Rick have achieved, have, obviously, you know, you need such an amazing support network around you. Tell me about your wife. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have a wife. I'm, I'm the been, I've been divorced for over 12 years. Now. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just Rick and I out there competing and my other, other two sons, you know. Okay, so your boys are your support, are they? Yes, they are. Yeah, and uh, I got an office manager too, and actually she's my girlfriend, and, and she, she comes out and she supports us. Oh, okay. So that, that's Kathy, is it? Like that. Kathy, yeah. Uh, yeah she, so she must girl. be the amazing, phenomenal woman then. Yeah, she does a great job, you know, managing my office here and everything else, and she comes out and, and you know, sometimes it's just her, Rick, and I, and so she, you know, has to take care of the boat, get ready for the bike, and get ready for the running chair and stuff like that. So she does a great job. When it comes to organisation for a race, you've obviously got so many more layers to think of. Uh, you must have that down pat nowadays, or is that still a mission? Well, it, it's yeah, it's very difficult, and it, it, you know, with all the equipment we have, it's very expensive to travel. Yeah, you know, because we don't have an airline as a sponsor or, or anything else. But you know, most people they go do the triathlon, they have their bike and they have their briefs. You know, yeah, <laughs> their bathing <laughs> suit, and that's it. Well, you know, when we go out to a triathlon, we have the boat. We have to blow up the boat. We got to take a, a, the beanbag chair that Rick lays in. We have the bike, and then we have a, the chair that goes on top of the bike. So you can, and the, the bike is a lot longer than most bikes, so yep. it costs you extra for that. And then the, that chair, and then you have the running chair, and then you have the wheelchair rigs in all the time. So we have to put that all together. And when we get there in the morning for a triathlon, we have to put all that stuff together. You know, you got to blow up the boat. you got to take the seat that goes on the bike and put that onto the bike. Then you got to put the wheels and set up the running chair. And then you have to set it in different areas for when you tra transition. So it takes a lot more longer for us to get it set up to do a triathlon. 
That's the ambition. Um, if you're going to give any piece of advice to a new, because we get a lot of new um, Ironman listeners, old triathletes at least, listen to our show. If you were to give any advice to a new Ironman, what would that be? Well, I guess what I do is uh, tell them to go easy. Don't start off too quick. And I hope that these people, especially on the swim, it's a mass swim. And there's a lot of people that go out there and they don't realize it and they get in the middle and they get kicked and punched in the face and they start hypovating and hypovating. And so I would, you know, have them take it easy and really get to the outside or something like that on their first swim fraud and not go out too hard because that, that everybody has a tendency, everybody takes off and everybody wants to take off and be fast, you know, fast with them. And just be be safe, you know, the fir- especially the first one. Just be safe and go out there because you, you don't have to go out there and set a record your first time, you know. Yeah. And and make sure that they, they keep themselves hydrated. That's very, very important, uh, especially when you're out in Hawaii with that intense heat and you're on nothing but the lava fields. Yeah. And then they have to make sure that they eat. And one of the biggest things is don't change what you've been doing all along. Yeah. You know, you never want to do that. Just do and use every all the equipment and do it the way you've always done it. Do not change anything on race day. Do, do you think you eat more than the average um, Ironman on race day because of the fact that you're pushing Dick? I mean, Rick, sorry. Uh, you know, Rick and I first started out, we used to do carbo-loading and all that because that was the thing to do. And, yeah. and right now I don't carbo-load at all. I eat my regular meals. Uh, I have a serious cholesterol problem, so I have to I have a special diet and watch what I eat. And uh, and yes, I, I feel that I do have to uh, eat a lot more and keep myself more hydrated yeah. uh, when we're out there competing because of the energy that I'm burning off with all the weight that I'm pulling, pushing, you know. Yeah. So, um, but I have, you know, I have my special meals and stuff like that, but it, it's nothing really special. I that's uh, not different than any other time during the year when I'm eating a meal. So, so you're saying you're around 900 and how many races at nine what? 987. So, will the thousand be what next six months? Uh, we, it's going to be next year, and what we're trying to do next year is going to be our 27th Boston Marathon. Uh-huh. We're trying to plan it out so that will be our thousandth thousandth event, wow. and everybody wants to come and cover it because I don't know I don't know if any other athletes have done a thousand events, but we got people that want to c- come and cover it. And you know, we we figured it it would be nice to be able to do an Ironman triathlon for the thousandth event, but I yeah. really don't have time to train for it, and I wouldn't want to go out there on the thousandth event. You know, and and not be able to finish it. Yeah, you know? fair enough. And yeah. I don't mean to be negative about that, but but you know, it's, it's tough even doing the marathon. You know, <laughs> because you do things different different ways, and, and you train different ways and stuff like that. But see, back home here, the winter is very very tough. Yeah. And and Rick, you know, he, he his body doesn't move at all. And when we're out there in the winter time, there's been times where I've grabbed a hole of his foot, and his foot felt like it was a piece of ice. Oh, really? You know, yeah. So we we got to plan it so it's going to happen on that day. Do um, like in two thousand and four, I was in Hawaii, and you didn't actually manage to finish the swimming time. Like in those kind of races, you're saying, you know, the Ironman, there's those risks that you won't actually finish. How do you handle that, like yourself? 
Well, it was very, very difficult. Um, you know, I knew I was swimming as hard as I could. Yeah. And there was a guy on a surfboard beside me. He said, Dick, your arms are going like crazy. And he says, you're not even moving. Oh, really? You know, and that was the year that they had the earthquakes out there. Yeah, yeah. You know, before, and, and actually, I was told that they were even thinking of, ch of changing the swim course because there was an area out there where they knew it was the ocean was very, very rough. Uh -huh. And I think if you check on it, a lot of people had a lot slower swims. Yeah, mine was terrible. You know, but, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I didn't I didn't really even know. I had some idea because it seemed like we'd been out there for a long time that we didn't make the swim cutoff. Yeah, you know, it was it was it was very tough. But I just knew that I gave it the best that I couldn't have done any better than that. And yeah, as long as I go out there and do that and know I did my very best. And I just don't make the f time fact. I mean, we know we can do an Ironman, but, you know, you have to do it by the times. Yeah. What, what, what time do you normally swim in an Ironman? Well, I think uh, we usually swim right around an hour and 40 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. 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 And, and bike? A bike is usually a tough one. We're usually out there for almost 10 hours on a bike, depending wow. upon the wind. Yeah. And then the run, you do what? The, the run, we've been, uh, I think our best one in the Ironman has been like three and a half hours. Really? So it's usually around four hours. Wow. It must be nice, I suppose, because obviously coming off the bike so slowly, you'd be passing everybody on the run, wouldn't you? Well, yeah, that's what, that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of fun. <laughs> and that would break their heart, because I know you're an inspiration and all, but a guy pushing his kid in the control, that would break their heart, wouldn't it? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, I just, I just, I actually, you, you were an inspiration to me, uh, Dick. I remember years ago, um, before, this is when I was like 13, I was bunking school one day and I was at home watching ESPN, and it must have been around 1990 or 2000 because uh, they showed um, you in Hawaii, and I remember just thinking to myself, wow, this is. Uh, the most phenomenal thing I'd ever seen on TV. And I, at this stage, I didn't even know what Iron Man was, but I remember you running up that finishing shoot and me getting goosebumps watching it, and I just thought to myself, wow, I'd love to one day do that. And obviously my lead has gone down, a, my life has led down a similar path. And just to let you know that for myself, and uh, for I'm sure for many of our listeners, that you're a huge inspiration and doing a great thing in the world. So uh, we really appreciate your time today and uh, coming on Iron Man Talk. I know you're a very busy man. And uh, all the luck, best luck for your thousandth race and uh, bring on the rest of the year. Well, thank you very much. I, th I don't know if you're aware, but Rick and I are being inducted into the Ironman Triathlon Hall of Fame. Oh, this really? October. Wow. No, uh, yeah. so, so tell us about that. Yeah, it's just it's it's just amazing. You know, here's my 46-year-old vegetable. You know, <laughs> be put in an institution, and now here he is being inducted into the Ironman Triathlon Hall of Fame wow. on the 30th anniversary of the Ironman out in Kona, Hawaii. Wow. So that's just, that, that's powerful, very powerful. That is very powerful. You're also going for the toughest athlete in the world thing. Right. Uh, you, Kathy sent me through an email saying, that you've been nominated for the toughest athlete in the world. Um, do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, the, the, uh, we ended up coming in second place. Okay, who won it? It was a, a musher. I don't even know what his name is. Okay. He's a musher, you know, he does the dog racing and stuff like that, and I guess he's been frostbitten and stuff, and I guess he's got cancer, and he, he, they say, I guess he's 
not supposed to live for another two or three years or something like that. Okay. I, I really didn't get in, in, involved in it because I didn't even know what was going on. But some of the athletes, you know, they started out with 32 of the toughest athletes. And, you know, like Muhammad Ali and Brett Favre and all these hockey players, all these professional athletes. And yeah. Here, little Rick and Dick Hoyt from Holland, Massachusetts. I mean, <laughs> that, you know, it's, it's, it's just amazing, yeah. Wow, great work. Well, thanks for your time today. and uh, well, Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Today and uh, um, So, yeah, if you want to support Rick and Dick, you know, they, oh, they do phenomenal things. Go to the website. It's teamhoyt.com. Yeah, and it? at the end of the interview there, I actually talked about how, for me, there was, I remember, I really did watch it, the, was, I think it was 99. I remember watching it on TV and really just, this is before I knew anything about Ironman. I wasn't like you. I didn't know about triathlon mm. back in those days. And, just watching it, and I remember just saying that's the best thing I've ever seen on TV. Mm. And uh, the guy is just, you know, phenomenal. Mm. Mm. So they've got a number of resources, not resources, they've got a number of things on their Merchandise site. Merchandise and stuff like that. And just speaking, so if you actually got a big corporate mm. business you want to kind of get a great speaker to, uh, obviously, obviously the guy mm. would inspire your career. And obviously they need all the support you can get. So And their website is teamhoyt.com, but we've got a link to that on Talk this week. Well done, Bevan. Good interview. Thanks, mate. I'm sure you loved it. Questions and answers. Okay, so we've got a couple of questions here. Got a question rolling over from last week we didn't address. So okay, it was, so it was from uh, Richard Michael Rowe. And down to business. Question two. I would like to hear a segment on the pro cyclist gel get food in their bags for the Tour de France or any other race for that matter. The nutrition is the hardest thing for me to get right. And I said to Bevan before the show, I'm going to get a Tour de France rider on the, the show. So we can ask him direct. Okay. But from my understanding, it's... Pretty similar to sort of stuff that you get uh, triathlon yep. nutrition. It's a lot of sports nutrition, and I, I know when I actually went and watched the Tour de France and I saw them straight after races, I saw a team car full of riders, and they were just having sort of sandwiches and things like that in the car on the way down the hill. But in terms of their their um, uh, their bags that they grab on the course, I think it's pretty standard, similar stuff to what we have. Great. Um, it bothers him that the Ironman Corporation is putting their logo on everything that comes its way. The Ironman bed, the Ironman scale, the Ironman weight sets. When I was in Ironman Louisville, they had an Ironman logo on everything that wasn't nailed to the floor. This is decreasing the value of the brand. What do you think about that? I think it's getting a bit over the top some of the stuff they do, but it's a business, so... Well, they're basically mer- it's Mickey Mouse theory, isn't it? Yeah. You basically merchandise, you know, yeah. you license your merchandise out. And yeah. So Plus, a business will go to them and say, I've got a beard and I want to put the Iron Man brand on it. They have to pay a licensing fee. I see they're working with a new wetsuit company now because uh, they, um, they were with Blue 70 for a long, long time. Blue 70 rock. Oh, they rock them. And they've rock. got some new hoax wetsuits that they're using now. Look, I don't mind them. I think licensing your products okay. Like the watch, okay, it's appropriate. And you know what? Yeah. Wetsuits, it's appropriate. You know, yep. it's the things yep. in our sports. And if a company wants to make a business out of that, it's great. But who's going to buy an Iron Man not iron? To yeah. be honest about it. Yeah. You know? That's a big gimmick if you buy an Iron Man board. And you're like, yeah. Oh, I'm going to my Iron Man iron. I'm going to iron you over, Bevan. <laughs> but uh, I agree with you. When it comes to beds and things like that, yeah. it's, it's getting a bit far. Uh, Paul Rowling sent through a great link from uh, the movie Any Given Sunday. Have you seen the movie? No. Oh, I think so. You should say it. It's really good. It's... um. We should just record that and just so we can insert it every time. Have you seen that movie, John? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> Al Pacino, and it's by the guy who does a lot of kind of out there movies, um, Oliver Stone. Yeah. And uh, it's his talk before a big game, and it's, it's very good. So we'll put a link to that on YouTube. Did you watch it? No, I haven't watched it yet. I whipped it together this morning about 5.30 in the morning. I've got a question for you. Roland Allen, the guy from Oakley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Transitions dude. Yeah, emailed me, and he said, I'm still having a show even though I'm about a month behind. We'll sharpen up because you won't hear this for a month from now. Um, can I slip a question into your show I would be interested to hear some feedback on what you thought would be the best location to hold an Ironman event in 
and use the UK as an example? Do you go for a major city like Frankfurt or Germany, or do you go for crowds and infrastructure, or do you go for better for terrain? Ideally, all of the above combined into one. And I don't think you go for a major city. I think you go you go for a, a reasonable size town, okay. um, so you can get some good support, like in New Zealand. And, yeah, but but it, but it should be close to a majorish city, so people can yep. travel to it. So, um, I think the challenges they have in the, in the UK is that they've often put it out in really far flung places when they've done it up in the Wooden uh, Street. Is not going to be Castle next year? No, apparently not. Yeah. So, I think that they would be better off going for a good sized town, yep, which is fairly close to a major centre. Uh, and then I think that they'd get the combination of quiet enough roads and you get crowds because the crowds these days do make, make an event. Well, was the downfall that the Ironman's so long? Because imagine mm. doing like an Ironman in New York City. Yeah. Like, that would be a buzz, wouldn't that it? Would if, you know, like the New York Marathon or something like that. If we could get crowds like that, mm. that would just be phenomenal. But yeah. it's just such a long event, it's, it's not really push. possible. Mm. So in the UK, I don't know. Uh, somewhere up in the Midlands, maybe, if there was anywhere sort of close to Birmingham or uh, Manchester. London, that's what I know. London. Yeah. <laughs> it's too crowded around anywhere around London, anywhere around the south coast. It's you wouldn't be able to get traffic management, would you? Yeah. Okay, sponsors, flinks.com. We had a bit of a technical hiccup we last week. We cut them out last week. We did. <laughs> we, we, we had a pause and we came back and Bevan's computers have been playing yeah, up a little bit I lately. Yeah, I do a new computer. And uh, we somehow managed to cut, cut Athlinks out. So we, did, yeah. we, we apologised for that. Because they were going for 60,000 members. They were. And we did record 000. it, but it just didn't, didn't go in. Yeah, so... But this week, they've got something new. The Athlinks need everybody to give them a little helping hand. And okay. I've done my little helping hand. I'm going to help my hand too. Good. And um, they're basically introducing a new feature that they're really going to be making a big feature over the coming months. And it's basically going to be a mapping feature on their site. So they're, they're integrating sort of Google Maps in there. So they've got around about 90,000 races on their database now. Great. Um, and all you need to do to help them out, to set, help set this feature up, is you just go onto your results. Um, can you make that bigger? I can't read oh, it. It's because you're blind, mate. And you know when I get a new computer, you know what I'm going to do? What? Magnifying lens on the screen for you. Good. Here we go. So I want to make sure I get this right, you see? Okay. Um, so you basically, they've got 90,000 races on the site, and they want to go around and get all the start points of all those races. Just so, the starting points? Yep. So you don't need to go and plot the Method course or anything, or anything like took, that. When I did it, I've just done two races out of my results. It probably took me around about one minute per race. Great. So we're asking for two minutes of your time. Um, we're asking that our members simply go to their list of events and on the results page, click on the little icon. There's a little new little icon there next to each race. Yep. Um, and it'll, it'll be hidden if uh, the race has already been mapped. Great. Um, so you just need to go on there. Click on there, Bevan. You I'm doing can, it right now. You can do you, one yeah. right now. Yeah, you keep going. And uh, you just go on there, onto your profile, click on the results, go to your results. There's a little map icon on there. Click on that. That'll bring up a Google map and you just basically... Pull the cursor to wherever the start point is in that city, or wherever you did the race. And that's all you need to do. Press save, and it's done. It takes like literally about one minute. Great, I've already done mine. Good. Perfect. You know what's really exciting? What? That Andrew hasn't had a kid. Hasn't he? <laughs> no, I got it wrong. Oh, gee. He did, he did make a pretty quick turnaround from being single or something, wasn't he? No, we got engaged, engaged. And I think I, I just interpreted it as having a kid. Because oh. I always think the next level, you yeah. know, you achieve one thing, you look higher. Right. And so obviously getting engaged, what's happening soon? Kids. Yeah. Yeah. And so I assumed he meant kids. Right. And uh, turns out I was wrong. Right. And he said his wife was quite surprised by this. Yeah. Well, no, not his wife. See, it's I'm doing fi- it again. It's, it's fiance. Fiance. Wife stage is coming next. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Andrew, we, we, when you do have a kid, make sure we're the first to know. Exactly. So then I can properly tell the, the community, everyone out there, that you're going to be a dad. Mm-hmm. If you do have a dad, you can name it Bevan Johns. 
Johns. Good, nice. Can I get a ring? Uh, coffees of Hawaii. People are still loving the decaf. I did notice um, Gordo was saying something the other day, popped an email through or something that he was uh, had a bit of Albinator's... Um, I've just completely lost what I was... But Albinate is what? Coffee? Decaf. Oh. He's saying decaf is working nicely for him. Really? Why? Um, because he can have it in the afternoon. Oh. And uh, doesn't have to worry about not sleeping. He's, so he's I, was, got... I was talking to my classes yesterday at the gym, mm. saying how many people have coffee. I said, who thinks they have lots of coffees a day? And people put their hands up and said, how much is lots? And they said three. Mm-hmm. So I go, it's real. One guy had 12. Right. <laughs> yeah. Albert, you should get his details. Yeah, I, I'll pass the card on to you. <laughs> He should get one of the blue cards. And if, if you um, go on to Coffees of Hawaii, the discount code is... Yeah, I am talk, and you get 20% discount nice. when you go in to check out, which yeah. is great. So make sure you support them. Drybuys.com. Now, again, um, the Newtons, which are the new running shoe, uh, great shoe. Change of position. I've been using them quite a bit now. Well, not quite a bit, but I've been running a little bit. Because you've got to work your way into them. You can't just instantly use them. And you've got to do that. Yeah, I, yeah. Know, I know somebody who's a pro athlete who decided... I'm too good for for working there, man. Oh, and, really? Uh, he went a bit hard out on them. Do and, I know this briefly? Uh, yep. Can you and, give me two liters? No. <laughs> and uh, and he paid the price for it, so you do really have to be careful. Yeah, because it, it it does feel completely different. Mm. It really does when you're running on them. But it is changing my position. I'm also been doing. I've been talking a lot about how I'm doing striding on, mm. and uh, that's great as well. And so obviously I'm going to be ultra fast for this marathon that we're doing. For uh, Challenge yeah. Wanaka. Now apparently you want Porno back in the team. <laughs> I'll pop you an email, but. My, my my idea of doing the bike has been vetoed. So now he, now he wants to be your friend again. Yeah. I was with you the whole time, Porno. Yeah. Anyway, try by. So if you want to get some Newton's running shoes, now try by's actually have them now. And um, so go into the empty buy them. It'd be a great place to get them. I remember shipping over five hundred dollars. You get free shipping anywhere in the world. If you're in America, that's two hundred dollars. And five hundred anywhere else in the world. And try by's also sell Mizuno's. So get yourself a pair of Mizuno's while you're at it. Very good. You always love just getting that in there. <laughs> and one, the other thing we didn't mention earlier about uh, Art of Try, who sponsored the Hot Topic of the Week. Yep. Remember the code there is IMT78. 15% off. You go in there. Do you know what that discount. is, John? It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. Good work. Took me a second. Took me a second. <laughs> uh, jerseys, um, we've got lots and lots of orders coming through, oh, so good. keep them coming, eh? Um, it's really great. Just pop us an email. I was actually on Try Talk the other day, and on Try Talk, someone reckons I'm like Beaker from the Muppets. <laughs> Right. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's nice to hear. And uh, but they were saying, like, in the UK, it's like sixty pound to get it there, or well, sixty five pound to get the jersey, which is stupidly cheap. You should put the price. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, so you know, it's a no brainer if you want to actually get into it. So yeah. uh, if you want to get some jerseys, the orders stop on the fifteenth of October. So email us through, and uh, John will. Arrange the guys it that have already ordered, just bear in mind, we, I put the order in on the fifteenth, so they'll be ready about yeah, three, it's three a, weeks after. Look that. at a month. Um, Amazon, people have been buying stuff off Amazon, which is great. Now, donations. We've been getting a few donations through the show, which is really great. And on the 15th, we've got a few big announcements. The week after the 15th, we've got a few big announcements with the show. So we're doing next week. Oh, is it next week? Yeah, okay, next week really... we're doing a few big announcements. Yeah. And donations, what your donations go to next week will be announced, and it's really cool. But last week I came up with the idea of if you donate to the show, I give you a name. Now, we've got a couple of donations, and can, when you donate, can you just email us and let us know if you want me to give you a name? Mm. Because some people don't like to be known that they're donating, and I'm not sure if Bobby wants everyone to know, but I, I'm going to. Yeah. I made up his Iron Man talk name. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Bobby, the Ballistic Hammer, Bostic. Right. Yeah. Can we just call him the Ballistic Hammer now? Na- yeah, yeah. And anything he can do, he can just be called the Ballistic Hammer. Okay. Yeah. Email that He trip. is our first official 
Because Sean Murphy had the madman, but not official. He uh, he won the Art of Tri-T shirt. I know, he's on a roll at the moment, isn't he? Yes. He and, and if he does a show, we'll just call it the Ballistic Hammer Show. Hammer time! Whoa, every time, time you see me! The hammer, <laughs> just it's on the floor! Oh, we're so hot right now. Um, any other things? Email I've questions? Got a, I've got a spreadsheet ready with, the, with all the names ready to go. Really? Because I've got another one. I sent one through to you this morning. That yeah, going. I saw that. Yeah, great, great. And so, great, bring it on. The Ballistic Hammer. The Ballistic Hammer, Bobby Blastic. Bostic. Okay, um, email questions, imedtalk at gmail.com. John's coaching website. Coachjohnnewson.com. Foreverfitness.me uh, for our podcast on fitness. Who? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> no, no, Not me. What are you going for the rest of the week, John? What have I been up to? Oh, what have you been up to? We went away the night before last to Hamner for a nice romantic weekend. You know what I'm doing this weekend, John? You're going to Hamner. For a romantic weekend away. School holidays, though. Oh, Kitty's running everywhere. That's all right. More reason to stay in the bedroom. Glenda <laughs> <laughs> found it very relaxing. It was her birthday, so she oh. enjoyed being What'd you get her? I uh, got her a book and there's some glasses. What, what did you, I got Joe a book for her birthday, too, actually. Tell you what book I got her later. <laughs> I, I think I'll do the same with you. <laughs> um, and uh, what do you want for the rest of the week? Um, House is on the market. Oh, Open yeah. homes on Saturday. Is it really? You're into it. Yep. What are you asking? Um, we got told not to tell anybody that. Oh, especially not on here, eh? <laughs> don't tell anybody what price you are. Okay, don't even tell your mother. Uh, well, I'm going to Hamlet this weekend. I'm nice. going to ask Joe because now I've got a name for her. Yeah, what, no. are you, what are you going to ask her? I'm going to ask Joe. No, you won't, you won't <laughs> no. be down on one knee or anything while you're doing this asking. No. I'm going to ask her if I can put a photo on the website next week. Okay. Because obviously there's a lot of curiosity about my love life because I've made a big scene out of it. Mm. So next week I'm going to ask Joe if I can put a photo on the website. And then, uh, so I'm off to him. I'm having a very social week, actually, because I've got one of my best friends, Chris, is staying with me. Yeah. Uh, he listens to the show, so it's great as well. And he's staying until Thursday, and then Slam I Am staying with me Thursday. Right. And then I go away to him for a lovely romantic weekend. It's all fun and games. Around the you know what's one it? weird thing about the romantic weekend? What? My mum and my nana and my auntie are going to be in Hamner as well. Yeah, where are you staying? Uh, I don't know. Joe's organised it. Okay. Yeah. It's a very nice place. It's good. What was it called? Classic Peak. Oh, no. Very good. Okay, I think we can probably call a show now. How long are we going for today? Well, it's hard to know because they haven't put the interview in yet. Right. Okay, so let's go. I'm Rusts. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.